Again, as I said in the welcoming last week, as we continue that this is us series, last week we talked about this bridal imagery that we are the bride and the church is the bride of Christ as a whole. And this week we look at the bride becoming mother and we become sons and daughters. Reality, the show is great because it shows all these different relationships within the family and while it deals with the hardship, it's an honest look at the struggles of being family. And so we look at our own struggles as being children of God today. As we look at all these different relationships within the family that give us a new perspective and a new way to look at and understand our relationship to God. And I think this week could even be easier than last week because this image of bride is sometimes difficult for us to wrap our heads around. But son and daughter is It's something we've all experienced, something that's true for all of us. We are all sons and daughters of somebody. But then here comes the harsh truth that those very people that we are sons and daughters of, our family, our parents, can often be the cause of great pain within us. Issues of abandonment or neglect or even abuse. And so those we trusted to protect us, those that were in power over us, our authorities, have caused us great pain. Others of us, we trusted our parents, and maybe you, like me, thought our parents could do no wrong. They were perfect. Every choice they made was always the right choice, until one day that whole illusion shattered. And you realize that they were broken, and they were sinners, and they were just trying to figure it out themselves, just like everybody else. And then we're called to, in the fourth command, honor our father and mother. And how have we, as children, done, as sons and daughters, how have we acted? It's only as a father now, both a biological and a spiritual father, I can understand the pain that comes with having a rebellious child. And then as children, we we have an image of father. When you hear the word father, what image comes to mind? Perhaps a man full with anger and quick to rage. Or a father too busy to be bothered by you or distracted by other things. Or maybe even you just have a blank picture. A father who is absent, a father who left before you ever got to even know him. And we deal with these issues of being and feeling unloved. Unwanted, undesired. And these wounds caused by our fathers upon us, we then place upon God. And so we see God as someone who's quick to anger and wrath and to bring down his wrath upon us. We see God as someone who's too busy to be bothered by my prayers or too distracted to care about me or perhaps even just he is absent. He is nowhere to be found. And I find myself alone. In my own struggles, in my own hardships, in my own pit, I am alone. But as we hear from Hosea today, that's not the picture of God. See, it is not our Father's own relationship with us we impose on God, but but God's love shows us what the love of a true Father is. Hosea paints this beautiful and tender picture of a father who is absolutely smitten with his children, cares and adores his children. And the Lord says this, he says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. Now Jacob, 
after he wrestles with God in the Old Testament, becomes Israel. He receives a new name, Israel. And his son Joseph becomes the one who goes into Egypt. His brothers sell him into slavery. He goes into Egypt and works his way from slave to second in command next to Pharaoh. And is actually the one who works this salvation, saves the lives of many, both Israelites and Egyptians. But it's generations later, the Pharaohs forget who Joseph was, forget who the Israelites are. They enslave this entire people. And it's over 400 years before God delivers them through Moses out of slavery into a land of promise. And you realize, as God says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. That there is hundreds of years in that single phrase. God's time can be slow as he works as a father. But he loves us through those hundreds of years. He loves us tenderly. And we would like to think that if the father's love is true, then the child will respond with love. I think of my own times I was rebellious against my own parents. And any time I was rebellious against my own parents, it was because they were wrong. If only they could see things the way I saw them, if only they understood my position, then they would agree with me, right? And that's why I rebelled. They needed to get on the right page. Surely if they loved me perfectly, then I would never have rebelled. But that's not the case with God. He loves his children perfectly, and they still turn away. In fact, the Lord says this, the more they were called, the more they went away. Perhaps you've experienced this as a parent when you tell your child, come here, come here, please. I have something to tell you, come here, please. I have something to give you, come here, please. I need to talk to you. And your child looks at you and says, no. And they go the other way. The Lord continues, they kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Baals is, Baal is a way we talk about the foreign gods of, of the lands that conquered. These idols that they turned to, and the word Baal itself means Lord. And there's all these Baals of different things, of, of the crops or of fertility or of family or success economically. There's all these Baals. And the Lord Adonai wants to be Lord of all their lives. You see, the Baals are just these shadows of the truth. They're settling for something less than they were created for. It reminds me of the movie Pinocchio. Pinocchio goes to this island of pleasure. He has all he wants, drink and cigars and games and cards. And and he starts to become a donkey. He starts to become an animal. He becomes less than what he is. But it is only when he receives the true love of Geppetto, his true father, that he becomes a real boy. He becomes who he is. That is what we are called to do. To receive the love of a true father. To become who we are. What should be done with a rebellious son? Deuteronomy has some strong words. This is what the law says should be done with a rebellious son. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother... And though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him, bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city 
shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Well, that seems a little excessive, doesn't it? Did you hear what the son is doing, though? He is given into the pleasures of this world instead of the call of God. He is a drunkard. He is a glutton. He finds all of his worth from Pleasure Island instead of from his father in heaven. And the very next section talks about, and the man who, who does something that's worthy of death shall be killed upon the cursed tree and will be cursed by God. That rebellious son is you and I. And it is the only perfect son, Jesus Christ, who is the one who dies the death of the rebellious son upon the cursed tree so that we can have life. You see, God doesn't come out of this this conversation about the rebellious son and start laying down his discipline and his anger and his wrath. Instead, he takes a moment and he goes back in time to when Ephraim was small, when Israel was but a child. And he says this, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I remember teaching my children to walk, and I'm working on one of them right now, too. And you hold it, you know, you hold them by the hands, right? Or you put your arms underneath their armpits to hold them up to try to get them to take those steps. And they just kind of flail and they flop and they do all these weird things. But when they finally take that, that step forward and they look back to you with this beaming smile, did you see what I did? And that joy and that love that we've forgotten. This is God. He holds us up. He teaches us, he teaches us how to walk, and we look back in those early moments of our faith and we're like, God, did you, did you see that? And he loves us, and he, we don't even understand his role. We don't even understand how he's holding us up, but he never lets us down. He never allows us to fall flat on our face. He teaches us to walk. You teach your own children to walk, and then you have to what? Baby proof everything, right? And hope he doesn't destroy everything. My heart breaks as we hear this God who loves us so deeply. He says, I led them with cords of kindness, with bonds of love. I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaw, and I bent down to them and fed them. And there's another translation of the yoke, this letting the yoke go a bit, giving them some slack, some freedom. There's another translation of the Hebrew there, and it goes like this. I was to them like those who lift the baby to their cheek. And I bent down to him that I might feed him. Just picture that image for a bit. A father who holds his baby to his cheek, holds him tight to his body, with all of his strength to say, I I love you and I'll protect you. And And the child doesn't even become consoled. The child is unconsolable and the father still holds him tight to, to show him I am strong and I will protect you and I will let nothing happen to you. I love you. He embraces that child. God embraces us. And then he bends down on his knees, this father, to feed his children. What a place of humility to bend down on your knees to feed your children. If you've ever had a toddler and tried to feed a toddler, like being three feet from a toddler's face is a dangerous place when food is involved. The child taketh and the child giveth right back. 
with spits and all the other stuff mingled in there. God humbles himself to embrace us and to feed us. He humbles himself to to bring his children near and his children we have turned away. He gave us strength to walk and now we run on our own. He gave us this embrace of love and now we're like, don't embarrass me. Drop me off at the corner, I'll walk to school. I don't want anyone to know you're my mom or you're my dad. He sacrifices of what he has to feed us. I don't like it. I can do it myself. What a lonely place to be. A father who's no longer needed. A father whose constant acts of love are, are now constantly rebuffed and turned away. He taught them to walk and we used it to run away from him. He taught us to talk and we used it to curse his very name. And at that moment, I would expect God to be so angry with us, so disappointed, so furious. And the Lord says this, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? Do you hear the pain of love in the Father's voice? He goes on, My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. He stirred to love. I will not again destroy Ephraim, he says, for I am God and not a man. He does not act as our fathers did in their worst moments. He is God. He is holy. He is just and merciful and tender. And my heart breaks as I read the words that we are given from our Father in heaven because I think to myself, what have I done? With all God has shown me, with all God has taught me, with all God has given me, what have I done? How I squandered it. Wasted it. Yet God so loves you, his child, that he sent his perfect son, the word, into the flesh to die the death We were destined for to die the death of the rebellious son upon the cursed tree. And he did that in order that we could receive eternal life. That in the waters of baptism, we would be adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High King and God. And we then receive all the benefits of the kingdom, heirs of the entire inheritance, eternal life, salvation, forgiveness of sins, holiness, poured out upon us by Christ himself, who died in our stead, that we might become the sons and daughters of God, that we might approach him with prayer and even say, Our Father, Abba. His love is stronger than our sin. His faithfulness is greater than our rebellion. And so we honor him. We honor our Heavenly Father. We honor our Mother of the Church by simply giving thanks for their steadfast love for their tender mercy in the midst of our wandering, in the midst of our our struggles and our strain, in the midst of our cursing and our disowning. We give thanks because he was always there. Sometimes it's easy to even convince ourselves, God forgot us, God abandoned us. But in those moments, Jesus shows us what to do to remove ourselves from the crowd, to remove ourselves from the noise, from the chaos, from the world. And to speak to God, our Father. To pray to Him. And we hear the words He spoke over Jesus at Jesus' baptism and speaks over us. You are my beloved child. With you I am well pleased. You are my beloved child. 
With you, I am well pleased. And what breaks my heart is how many of us have never heard those words before spoken by those we care about and those that were called to care about us. Today, God speaks it over each of us. And as Luther teaches us, he tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father, that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and with all confidence, we can go to him and and ask of things for him, from him, knowing that, that he is our father and he gives us good gifts. To know that he, our God, gives good gifts and takes from us the wounds we bear from our own fathers, from our own mothers. That he loves us. How he loves us. Like nothing we've ever experienced before. We are his children. This is who we are. This is us. Children of God. Inheritors of all his kingdom. All of his gifts. Greater than the pleasures of this world. Greater than the gods we, we so often come to. And he calls us today to call on his name and draw near to him to receive his warm embrace, his love, his life. In just a moment, we're going to have a rite of welcoming and acceptance of the Catanets and Catechumens, those who are, are going through this process of confirmation. That these children are now saying, yes, we are children of God. And what was was called over us in baptism, or as they go to the waters of baptism. Yes, these, these words we hold true to, and they define us, and God is our Father, and we want to be His dear children, we want to honor Him, and we want to come to Him with thanksgiving. And we, as a family of faith, to, to reflect on our own path of faith, where God has left, led us, and maybe where we've even strayed, and He now calls us back home. And to pray with them, and to pray for them over the coming year that they would always draw near to the Father, that we would always draw near to the Father and receive his life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.